0: Hello, and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Alan Tsai to the show. Alan is the founder and CEO of Pani, a smart home company inspired by his volunteer experience building water wells in rural Nepal. With a professional background in consumer electronics and IoT, Alan took inspiration from a lifetime of water conservation lessons to create Pani to advance the convergence of technology with water, sustainability, and efficiency. Alan, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Raj. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Alan, thank you for being on. I'd like to kick things off with something interesting about you that you'd be open to sharing during our interview that many people might not know about you.
1: Um, sure. Uh, it's uh, n- n- nothing too exciting, but uh, I'm a father of three, uh, including uh, a set of twins who are seven years old, turning eight, and, um, you know, love them to death. Um, but a lot of times I get a lot of anxiety thinking about uh, you know, the world that we're leaving them uh, and not just them, but their children as well. And uh, and that gives me a lot of mo- motivation to make sure, you know, we're all doing our part to, to make this world a better place and, um, and a better future. As trite as that sounds, Raj, uh, how do we leave our place, um, uh, better than we found it and for our children and our children's children?
0: Well, I think then out of the gate we're fast friends because I'm a father of three
1: also. Really? Fantastic. Yes. No
0: no twins in there, but they're three daughters.
1: <laughs> I, I've got two, two girls and a boy. Two girls and a boy.
0: Well, I think we can just have a whole podcast just on parenting three kids. <laughs> so... Alan, can you give a brief background on PANI, What's it about? What inspired it?
1: Sure, sure. And, and th- thanks for that, that the fantastic intro. Um, you know, I went on a volunteer trip last February uh, to Nepal, building water wells for this uh, this small little village, and that that experience was uh, was transformative on, on, on many different levels. And you know, really, it's it's not until you know we're taught to be grateful. Um, you know, of course, growing up, and you uh, know, and, and we're taught to be grateful every year on Thanksgiving. But it's not really until you spend some time, uh, you know, in in wooden shacks, you know, with no infrastructure for electricity or water or plumbing, um, that's you. Then you really truly realize you know, how fortunate we we really really are. And so, you know, when I returned from Nepal, I started Pani. and uh, I think we've discussed prior Pani means water in Hindi. We're building smart water products and platforms that helps consumers and utilities measure, monitor, and eventually recycle water, almost in that exact order. So the, the product that w- we have uh, in the marketplace today that we just launched about a, a month and a half ago is a smart water meter that learns your water usage habits inside your home, and then using some some um, algorithms and some behavioral science give you recommendations on how to conserve water. And really the first product is just to bring some awareness to people about how they're even using water at home. right? So there's an adage in tech um, that says, you know, you can't modify something until you measure it. And that, that's exactly what we do is we start to measure your water usage in order for you to give you some actionable feedback to do something about that usage. Right? So, you know, our, our investors say, were like the the Nest or Fitbit for water, and that's what you know, our first product does.
0: So the Fitbit for water, I'm going to assume you don't wear it yourself. How does that work?
1: Uh, the Fitbit or or the the in the monitor. Your monitor. Ah, yeah. Okay. So um, it's, it's essentially it's it's a it's a smart home product. That you can install inside your home um, across various appliances. Um, you know, most of our users install them on the shower and toilet because combined, it accounts for almost half of all the water you use inside the home. And when installed, and when water flows through, um, it, we start to collect information about water usage, um, and, and we uh, share that information with you on your on a free mobile app that tells you, you know, real time water usage. Um, it shows you how much you use today, yesterday, this week, this month. Um, and, uh, you know, if we, if we detect a toilet leak, we'll send you an alert. Um, and, uh, over time, as we learn how you're using water, we'll give you notifications, almost like a smart water coach about what you can do based on how you're actually using water to use, uh, to be better, to be more water wise and to be better steward of of this, you know, the very precious resource.
0: So do you install it directly into the showerhead?
1: Yeah, it's it installs in line. The shower installation takes on average about five minutes. The toilet install takes anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes. But what you, in, in the shower case, what you do is you screw your shower head, you screw our uh, Pawnee smart water monitor on, and then the shower head on top of that. So it kind of sits between the shower head and the wall, essentially.
0: And the toilet bowl one, how does that one work?
1: Yeah, similarly, um, you know, be, behind your toilet bowl, it, 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 uh, it, there's, a, there's a tube that connects to the, to the wall. Um, all you got to do is unscrew that tube. Be sure to drain the water out beforehand. Uh, and then you install the, the pony in between the wall and the toilet bowl.
0: You know, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about an incident I had early this year where um, we have a rental property. And my neighbor from my rental property called me and said, uh, Raj, there's water gushing out of the side of your house. Wow. And what had happened was that um, one of the hot water heaters had sprung a leak. Fortunately, the way it was installed, it was installed correctly and it has an overflow pipe that leads to the outside of the house. So the house didn't have a problem. My tenants weren't aware because they're out of town that weekend. But I'm thinking about how a device like this could have helped me or helped them save money because I know that, you know, the leak was going on for at least 24 to 48 hours and I don't even know how many gallons passed through that overflow pipe. So I kind of feel like that would almost be like another use case or even just in general you know in in the rental industry i've had have heard several stories of tenants having you know leaky toilets or running toilets which happen to be i think you mentioned the number one number two cause for either damage to the house or you know um, from a water wastage perspective so i really think that there are many other use cases too that start thinking about it
1: yeah that, that's exactly right the most common leak in the house is actually the the toilet flap leak and what what happens is over time the the rubber gasket um uh, degrades, and you either have a slow leak, which you don't hear about until a few months later, or you see your water bill and you're wondering where all the water is going or um or the the thing um, or, you know you flush your toilet and the, the chain gets stuck and and you leave, and the water is just running constantly. and 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 just speaking for myself, the Pawnee has caught several leaks, uh, several toilet leaks as a matter of fact, um, you know, in in our house alone. So, um, you know, it's you know to be very clear um, from a product positioning standpoint. You know, leak detection is not our main product feature. It happens to be a checkbox feature. We can we can we can say it it does for the toilet, uh, but there are many other solutions on the marketplace you know, that cost anywhere from five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars that do what they call whole home um, leak detection, uh, and uh, and those are great solutions if that's what you're looking for. But you know, from a positioning standpoint, the, the, the Pawnee um, Smart Monitor. Um, is, is really centered around around um, better understanding your own personal usage, help you conserve water. And we happen to, we ju- it just happens to be able to catch the most common leak inside the house.
0: That is interesting.
1: Yeah, and just to close the loop um, before I forget on, on, on the Nepal story, you know, the more our users use our product to save water, the company will actually make donations on your behalf to charities that provide clean drinking water to people uh, you know, around the world. So, you know, quite literally we want to bring people along on that, you know, visceral and emotional journey that to let them know that things they do here truly do matter. So, you know, I save 3 minutes I showered 3 minutes less yesterday. That saved me 6 gallons of water. Those 6 gallons of water is going to a well project that, you know, someone in Kenya or someone in Nepal or in India is getting that um, you know, that clean drinking water.
0: You know, that that's really interesting and I and I applaud you for that. It's a very conscious organization. And the reason I I say so is I was just thinking about when you mentioned like a Fitbit for the shower. I've seen many friends of mine and acquaintances over the years with Fitbits, but I haven't seen any, you know, behavior is really hard to change. And when it comes to Fitbits, I see them, you know, they start trying to get their steps in, but then you have gravity and inertia setting back in and the habits go back to being what they were. And so, yes, there was maybe a short spike in behavior change, but I think because the payoffs aren't visible quick enough, or people just tend to fall back into the old habits. But I really like this idea of, like you mentioned, of knowing consciously that because I'm saving water here, someone somewhere else is benefiting from that. So I think maybe in your case, I feel like even though esoteric tangible, I feel like there's more tangibility to it.
1: You know, that's, uh, I appreciate that. You know, obviously, as, as, a, as a consumer company, we're not immune to consumer psychology. So uh, I, I don't um, pretend to think that, you know, a portion of our users won't experience the same thing. But at the same time, you know, we do believe we have a higher calling. And, you know, um, all the gaming mechanics aside to keep people engaged, you know, we think, you know, uh, getting people, um, and reminding them why they do this um, is, I think, helps engagement. And, you know, we've only been around for a month and a half. Um so, um, you know, t- uh, ask me again in three months. Uh, but so far, engagement has been great.
0: You know, it, it's funny you mentioned gaming because I can almost f- see, you know, neighbors or neighborhoods participating from a gaming perspective is who saved the most water this month. You know, people tend to enjoy those kind of games. So I, I can see a gaming aspect to the app.
1: That's right. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're tinkering with a few things, so stay tuned.
0: Well, oh, for sure. So, Alan, one of the things I like to really push for in these conversations is you know the Simon Sinek the why behind what you're doing you kind of touched it briefly in the beginning but I mean to dedicate your you know your time your commitment to this company there's got to be more so you know if you don't mind could you share some of that why
1: sure um you know so you know I I told you about the story in Nepal which you know took place last year but really truly the roots of the company go back 40 some odd years to where I was born so I was born in Asia in Taiwan specifically and uh, my grandfather was a farmer. So growing up, um, water truly was uh, was a lifeline. And so, um, you know, all of us, my grandfather had, had nine kids um, for obvious reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, we were all raised to be super mindful about how we use this very precious resource. And so fast forward, um, uh, you know, 20 some odd years, you know, I moved to California. I'm not sorry, no. 20 some odd years ago, in in the late, late 80s, uh, I moved. I went to California, and you know, you know, we weren't poor by any means, um, but despite that, we, we were still very um, conscious in, in our homes about you know how we would use and reuse and recapture and recycle water. And so, uh, I've been trying to, for the longest time, looking for a way for my professional background in in consumer tech to intersect with my passion around water. And that's actually, actually when the Nepal trip happened. And so, you know, from a, uh, a high-level purpose and vision standpoint, you know, we all believe, and I certainly believe, that access to clean water is a fundamental human right, that people have, should have an unalienable right to live with dignity and to live to their fullest potential. So what can we do as a for-profit organization, given that we're a water tech company, to also help advance that goal? And so that is is very much an ethos of who we are and uh, and we're reminded daily you know in a startup world things are tough and you, know, you you have you know massive ups and downs on a day to day basis. but when things get rough you know is it is time for us to kind of step back and remind ourselves you know why we are doing this in the first place so that why to your to your point is 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 um you know drives is our north star
0: well that that's fantastic again pointing back to Simon Sinek, he talks about companies that have a just cause. And I think the ability to rally around a just cause is what pulls you through those hard times. I've got experience in the startup world, too. And I remember sometimes, you know, when things did get difficult, just kind of remembering, you know, why am I doing this? Part of it goes back to the children, but part of it goes back to the just cause. So I can really, really see that. And I hope, hope your grandparents are proud of what you're doing today.
1: Oh, thank you so much. You know, this is my sixth startup. So I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment, And I've been through startups, um, you know, um, the, the, the good and the bad. And so I learned, you know, made a lot of mistakes in the past. Um, and hopefully this one, uh, um, you know, I've uh, leveraged all my learnings. But, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, people, companies who are all about the profit and, um, and the morale is low when things don't go well. Uh, but something just feels very different about this one. And that is that is palpable here in, inside the office, and uh, is very much of our company culture. And, and you know, I have, um, um, yeah, we're very proud of the things that we're doing here and what the team has done and, we, and continues to do.
0: So, some of your other startups, what were they based around?
1: Uh, so, when I say six startup, um, you know, first three I uh, were the ones that I joined, but the last three were the ones that I started. I mean, the first startup back in the late '90s, early early 2000, uh, we were building. Um, uh, uh, web, ta- uh, web tablets, uh, PDA, uh, voice over IP phones. And just to date myself a little bit, one of our early uh, web tablets that we built was running WinCE. And Bill Gates up our tablet at um, uh, 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 the Winheck or Comdex, which is no, no longer exists for some of your listeners. Um, so that was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, As soon after that is when I got into the uh, consumer electronics Um, kind of wireless communication IoT field. I was working on IoT before IoT was called IoT. Um, And so um, that's when I got into the semiconductor business, uh, building IoT subsystems to enable other platforms to become wireless connected. My last corporate job was with a company called Atheros Communications that was acquired by Qualcomm. And that's I started and ran the consumer electronics business in the mid-2000s, and that's when... You know, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth were still predominantly uh, in your computers and laptops um, and your your routers and gateways at home. Um, but, you know, I, I, thought, I felt that, you know, wouldn't it be nice if our uh, TVs or printers or gaming consoles or other things inside your home also had wireless access. So uh, we had a, a nice jump on the, on the market and we were shipping, you know, a, a lion's share of wireless connected consumer electronics devices inside the home. And that's uh, uh, when I decided to to uh, uh, experiment with entrepreneurship. And so, in, in 2009, I believe is when I started my first company. The company was called Ekta Systems. Ekta is also another Sanskrit for <laughs> for uh, for uh, for for oneness, or you know, we believe that, that there's an invisible cosmic fabric that connects all of us. And what we're doing at Ekta was uh we were building a, uh, we were essentially turning your cell phone um, and using the various radios as a radar to discover and connect with um, IoT and other machines around you. Um, unfortunately, it was a little bit ahead of its time back in 2009. Um, and uh, that company, uh, unfortunately, had, had to shut down and uh, learn a ton um, of both hard and soft skills in terms of running a startup. Um, but uh, a few iterations later here I, here I am here at um, at Pani.
0: So I know you're only a month and a half old into market, but you know with the rapidly changing pace of IOT, 5g coming online, let's play you know futuristic game. What other opportunities do you see for conservation using IOT and some of these new or improved uh, frequencies that we have?
1: Yeah, that's, it, it's, that's a great question. Um, so for us, um, you know, I mentioned earlier in the call, you know, our, the, the arc of the company is three phases, measure, monitor, and recycle. The first product is for the, the measurement kind of set of things, but we are starting now to prototype and starting to move towards the, the monitoring piece, which means we are, in, in addition to looking at how much water you're using, we'll be looking at what's inside your water. So water quality. Um, so we're, we're, we're experimenting with various types of sensors that will allow us to detect you know, lead, arsenic. Um, uh, mercury, E. coli, um, chloramine, um, all these things in real time. And for many of these um, elements, um, to, uh, 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 real-time detection doesn't exist. So we're doing, we're doing a lot of groundbreaking work in, in that front in terms of bringing water quality monitoring inside the home as opposed to you know, uh, uh, these labs you have to send your water off to um, and these half-a-million-dollar machines with trained technicians Operating them, how do we leverage technology shrink them down into a, into a price point that is feasible for people to install inside their home? And so these platforms, um, you know, today obviously we use Wi-Fi in 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 uh, in the Pani Smart Water Monitor um, for a variety of reasons, um, predominantly because it's Wi-Fi is a very well understood and, and prevalent infrastructure inside the home. But over time, you know, when we see five G coming down the road. It is something that we'll definitely look into. Our our bandwidth is not, uh, requirements aren't super high, but as we start to move uh, towards leveraging machine learning to look at various um, chemical signatures in water, um, it'll be a balance between processing that data uh, locally versus uh, dumping that off to the cloud to do some processing, upon which time and bandwidth would become a more um, uh, important concern. So things like 5G, we're really excited to, to learn about, and as they start to get deployed and as price points start to come down, uh, we will be um, seeing how that fits into the framework of our kind of communications topology.
0: So I'm I'm sure you and I could really nerd out on edge computing and the benefits of. Sounds like you're going to be utilizing some of that.
1: You know, when you say edge computing, I I uh, it, it also means something different for Pani because we believe in edge water processing. Uh, we believe long term. Uh, water processing as a function needs to be decentralized, which means the ability to process water has to move closer to the edge and to the nodes. So homes and buildings in the future will start to reclaim, reuse, and recycle water. Um, and that's, that is that. that is the ultimate long-term goal of the company is to you know understand, uh, not, not just understand how much water you're using, not just understand um, what contaminants are in your water, but to be able to process and filter that water inside the home.
0: So that is really interesting because especially with the movement right now towards microgrids and decentralization I think that could become a, you know a unique proposition especially for some of these new commercial buildings that are being you know um put up or uh, housing communities that that's a really interesting viewpoint as you were talking about some of the sensors I was thinking about flint michigan and some of the problems that could have been avoided you know had your sensors been in place
1: That's right you know what's amazing to me is that water is one of the most important things you put in your body. But uh, nobody knows what's inside the water that you drink. And I think people inherently trust our water utility to deliver clean, safe drinking water. And for the most part, that is true. But given that the water infrastructure is is aging um, and that um, it's it's actually coming upon a, a massive replacement cycle, a lot of the, the biggest water systems in the U.S. were, were installed in, in the middle of the uh, – the 20th century so in the, in, the, in the 1950s and so their useful life is any is is you know 60 75 years so we're, we're coming a, upon a point in which equipment and infrastructure and pipes are getting old and uh, but we, we don't have the budget to fix and replace them and so in, in that macro environment i think understanding water quality becomes that much more important and the issue with water is by the time people know something's wrong with your water you've been drinking bad water for months and that was that's scariest with, with Flint, Michigan, right? So there is no real-time detection, and we we want to bring that capability uh, to to utilities and to consumers, and it's actually democratize um, you know, uh, access to you know water quality information in real
0: time. And it sounds like also I just read recently about um, GE's reinvigorated um, push towards what they're called digital focus. And they said they're investing a lot of money in their asset performance management. And it's the cornerstone of, in, you know, for example, inspection, planning, and auditing. So it sounds like you're almost following that same cycle.
1: So, so it's interesting you say that. So if, if you think about um, uh, the, the Nest thermostat, you know, as they become deployed um, with a certain amount of density, the amount of data they can collect in terms of how... Um, energy is being used in any given neighborhood at any given time, that information is very valuable to utilities. Now imagine uh, having these sensors installed in consumer homes with a certain amount of density in neighborhoods. Um, Knowing water quality at various distribution points and at various geographical locations, you can start to tease out some interesting information about the water flow and water quality and where things are coming from. And that information utilities can use to better maintain their infrastructure. So instead of you know a blanket overhaul of all the plumb, uh, plumbing and piping, you can start to see certain trends of, of water quality in certain geographic areas, and that will help utilities better manage their um, their capital investments over time.
0: And with your sensors, it sounds like they can get an early warning too if there's an issues.
1: That that's the idea. Um, and again, the uh, you know real time led um, sensors don't exist today. People are working on them with various types of approaches. You know we're taking a, a system level approach, so we're working with companies who are at the cutting edge of of of, of building, you know, n- um, you know, nanotubes that can, you know, see lead in real time, or using um, other other novel methods um, uh, to detect lead. So we're 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 kind of knee deep in in that R and D right now.
0: Yeah, I think so. We just built a home earlier this year, and I think um, what they call low flow showers and low flow toilets have become actually code now so i think this could really really help benefit builders or especially end consumers too so
1: yeah absolutely i mean there's a variety of ways we can go to market uh, i think you know our goal is to build something cost accessible enough where you can walk down the aisles at home depot and pick something up yourself and of course you know allowing builders to differentiate you know their properties to say you know, we, we you know we're able to monitor your water quality and build time and make sure you're drinking clean water. That's absolutely uh, it's low hanging fruit for us for sure. Also, partnering with utilities to deploy these um, across their jur- jurisdiction. Um, that's also something that uh, that we are and and engage with and have conversations today.
0: Almost like some of the well, I mean, I think if the utilities participate in a way that. Solar credits, for example, or um, I think there was a few years ago, high efficiency uh, credits, where if you did you know x amount of work to your homes, you can actually get tax credits back.
1: That's right. That's right. It's always ways for the, you know for them to differentiate. You know, we're building you know green homes or environmentally conscious homes. Um, so for sure, and I think you know I applaud all of them for doing that. And I think more of the world needs to do the same. Uh, at the same time, there's a lot of legacy products that are installed um, in you know in homes today. That we install a a, a Pawnee monitor, uh, you can see your sh- your shower head is running at 2.2 gallons per minute, and then you know we can work with uh, Home Depot or with their utility to say, hey, look, go in with this coupon, you can save 25% off of this low flow shower head, and get that you know that that uh, that water culprit off of the water network, so to speak.
0: Well, I'm in love with the idea, and I can't wait to get one on our shower at home, so my kids can start monitoring their showers, especially with three girls.
1: That's exactly right, and what's interesting um, along those lines is, you know, most major water utilities have some conservation program, and they have incentives. But at the same time, those those programs are very quote unquote analog. You know, they'll they'll um, uh, you know they'll, they'll 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 call you and say, hey, you know, we'll come in and do a water audit for you. They'll send emails. They'll send paper mail. But at the same time, they have no idea if any of their outreach is working, and so when they when they can subsidize a digital device like like a Pani. Uh, essentially we, we, uh, we digitize your uh, we turn you know dumb water pipes into a smart water network so utilities can finally see oh they're actually doing uh, what we're suggesting them to do and they're actually taking tangible steps to conserve water and their incentives can be can be delivered um, you know based on performance right so there's actually accountability and, and loop closure um, and attribution when it comes to water conservation.
0: you know Alan? As you were speaking, my mind's opening up to all kinds of creative ways to use your device.
1: You know, it's funny, it's funny you say that. You know, when, as an entrepreneur, you build a product and you, and you think you know people will use it a certain way, and we, when you throw it out into the real world, you, you're always surprised about all the innovative and creative ways people are using your product. And you know, and, and the Pony Monitor is is no different. Um, you know, people are uh, using it to uh, for uh, indoor farming, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, are using it for, uh, and this is a really interesting use case is, you know, we're getting a lot of people uh, installing these in their parents' homes. You know, the parents are, are elderly, um, they're, um, they're aging, and you know, many have, you know, some unfortunately have, have Alzheimer's, and they're keeping track of their bathroom behavior to make sure they're um, up, keeping up with their hygiene, or they're on certain medication, they want to make sure they're going to the bathroom. And what's also interesting is, you know, um, companies who provide services to, to, to senior living and to uh, 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 assisted care um, facilities, they, uh, they want to know how their patients and their tenants are doing. And one of the interesting, one of the interesting stats that, that I found out is um, a third of elderly people over the age of 65 uh, experience a, 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 a traumatic fall. And eighty percent of those falls happen in the bathroom. So some of our users are monitoring shower, not just for showering, but if the shower lasts too long, that something might have happened in the shower, and they'll dispatch a caretaker or a nurse to check up on the patient. So you know things we never imagined. Uh, you know, going and building the product, people are finding very practical ways to use the product, which is you know phenomenal. Right.
0: So that's really interesting because especially when it comes to the elderly. There's I believe three leading indicators um gait, diet, and bathroom habits.
1: yeah, that's right, that's exactly right. So that
0: you know, when you mentioned the bathroom habits to monitor elderly i I can totally see where assisted living centers would put that in, or like you said, people that are aging in place or aging at home, uh, children that aren't living close by can start uh, installing these units.
1: Right, right. You know, if the mom hasn't showered in four days, you know, that uh, might have forgotten. You know, they'll call someone or call them to check in. Or the shower has been running for an hour and a half. Someone better go in there.
0: Right, right. So it sounds like you got your work quite cut out for you, but you've got a huge market to move into.
1: Uh yeah. We're, we're, we're excited to be doing what we're doing. And, uh, uh, you know, as the product matures and as we build new products, you know, uh, we're, we're very... Uh, 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 we're eager to see what lies ahead.
0: Well, changing directions a little bit, Alan. One of the questions I would like to ask my guests is, what advice would you give to the audience? And it could be broad or specific, but you know, what have you learned in all these years of perhaps entrepreneurship or building companies, or just in general?
1: Yeah, that's it's good and a tough one. You know, uh, on the entrepreneur journey, you'll meet a lot of people, a lot of supporters and naysayers. And if you talk to 10 people, you'll get 11 different options. So you oftentimes you don't know who to trust and listen to. So, um, you know, what, what I've learned is um, always be open-minded to get feedback from people that you trust, but at the same time, know when to put on your blinders and just run like a man on a mission. And you just, sometimes you just have to trust your gut. So it's a fine balance between um, tenacity and stubbornness. And that line is different for everyone, but it's it's important one to straddle. Um, that um, that it's it's been a very, uh, very important part of my personal entrepreneur journey.
0: I like that. Know when to run and know when to listen and know when to seek advice and when not to, or listen to advice and when not to. I really appreciate that, Alan. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I can't wait to see where Pani goes in the future. And you mentioned checking back in. I'd love to check back in next year with you and perhaps do another episode and find out where you are on your journey.
1: Oh, the pleasure has been mine, Raj. I, I thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you, Alan, so much. And then we'll look forward to catching up with you soon.
1: Take care.